Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. I am joined today uh, by Dan Key, uh, all the way from the United States, who is going to be talking to us. He is the Chief Supply Chain Officer of Densply Serona. Uh, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your journey so far? Thanks, Maria. I appreciate that. And uh, I guess good evening, uh, good afternoon, good morning to everyone who is watching the podcast. Um, as Maria said, I'm uh, Dan Key. I'm the Chief Supply Chain Officer for Densply Serona. Uh, just a little bit about Densply Serona. We're a $4 billion dental supply company. Um, I just joined the company in January uh, to help the, the company transform themselves from uh, a multi-SBU company into a centralized uh, supply chain, end-to-end supply chain company. Um, my past has uh, been uh, a career I would say that most should never follow, but uh, it, had I not followed it, I wouldn't have learned and been in this position. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer from the University of Illinois. I have an MBA from Clemson University. Uh, I've been in the business world for 31 years, uh, pretty much the entire time in some type of transformational role, uh, whether it's been small projects uh, like capital projects or small projects where I have taken a, a team and, and recommissioned a, a new, an old process that had been shut down for a while, uh, all the way to transforming large uh, multinational corporations. Uh, I've been very fortunate to, to work with some great leaders uh, and, and even more fortunate to have worked with uh, some outstanding uh, employees who, who've helped in the transformation process. Great. Well, then why don't you, uh, I guess I'll let you get going with your slides. You've uh, taken the time to prepare this for us to talk about a topic that is very important to all of our members, really, which is supply chain transformation. I'll hold my questions to the end, so I'll, I'll let you on. Thanks, Dan. Well, thank you, Maria. I appreciate that again. And uh, I guess over the next 15 or 20 minutes, uh, I'd like to share a little bit of what, about what I've learned on my journey as it pertains to, uh, to business transformation. Uh, as I said, I've had the unique opportunity to be with some very large companies as well as some uh, relatively small companies. And uh, whether we knew it or not, uh, had been through uh, several transformations, again, very small, whether it's a small team transforming themselves like a maintenance shop or uh, other small operations, all the way to very large companies, uh, whether it was with uh, a division of Honeywell or uh, it was uh, Sigma Aldridge, uh, Exalta, or now, re now most recently with Dense by Serona. So um, would love to have the opportunity to talk to you about how my process works and uh, the, the um, opportunities I've had. Uh, I will not say that I've been perfect in the transformation process, but I've, uh, I've had some really good successes that hopefully uh, I can share with you. My, uh, the, the, what I will uh, uh, work with you on and, and explain to you is not the only way to do transformation, but it's just one way that has worked. So as we look at 
business transformations, it's amazing that 75% of all business transformations fail. Uh, this number comes from uh, numerous uh, consultants. Uh, most recently, I had the opportunity to work with McKinsey, and they reconfirmed that 75% uh, of business transformations fail. Uh, this is one of their selling points. I'm not here to sell McKinsey, but it is one of their selling points on uh, a brand new business model they put together called RTS, uh, which stands for Reset, Transform, and Sustain. Uh, but I, I really like the two quotations that you see here um, on the screen. One from Christoph Zolan, who is a renowned um, uh, leader in transformation, uh, has, has, is the founding partner of a company called Radius One. And he said, uh, most transformations fail uh, to change the ways that leaders think and act. As a result, the transformation stops far short of where they need to be or the organization simply reverts back to its original state. And I will talk a little bit about that as, as the failure points as, as we move through the slides. And of course, uh, Einstein is very famous about saying that you cannot solve, the, solve a problem using the same thinking that created the problem in the first place. And as we go through uh, what I've learned uh, in the transformation process, uh, please uh, think about these two quotations because they both uh, are meaningful in what I've learned and, and how I've put together my transformation process. So what is transformation? If, if you go to Wikipedia or you go to the dictionary and you, and you look it up and you know, it's, it's a basic transformation is process of fundamentally changing systems, processes, people and technology. And it focuses on the individual process, system, technology, team or department. Uh, very formal uh, business-like uh, definition and typically at the end of the day it's going to be pretty uh, pretty accurate but it misses a few key points and so I like to to use uh, my definition of transformation um, it, it's it's not anything special but hopefully gets at the heart of how to be successful which is uh, transformation is using the correct tools at the correct time to create or prove a process that's broken or stagnant for the purposes of benefiting your customers, which I define as your employees, your paying customers, and your shareholders. One of the major learnings uh, that, that I've had throughout my career is that every transformation is different. And uh, I wanna underline correct tools, correct time, because at the end of the day, many transformation leaders and, and business transformation processes fail because you try to use the same tools that worked before in, in a different situation. So we'll go through a little bit of that and especially um, I will give you a couple of examples at the end that uh, uh, where I've learned quite a bit and used different tools um, to help transform different processes. So if we go to the next, uh, the next slide, um, you'll see the typical failure points uh, in a transformation process. Um, you know, executives tend to use uh, or miss the critical point of using the wrong tools uh, in the wrong culture and certainly not picking on the GE leaders because they are some really great people. I've met many of them. Um, but I know in several cases and including the ones in the uh, initial bio um, discussion about this, uh, about this podcast, um, they unfortunately used GE tools in a non-GE culture. And what I mean by that is uh, the GE culture is very special. It's been very successful over the past uh, 100 plus years. Uh, but to try to take those tools and use them in a culture that is not similar to the to the GE type culture is going to fail, and it, it's it's doomed for failure. And and several of the leaders that have left GE and gone on to Home Depot and to other 
com companies tried to uh, incorporate those tools and, and have been unsuccessful. And you can use any major large company that develops leaders as well as GE. It could be Honeywell, it could be DuPont, it could be Dow, BASF, Bayer, and, and you'll see the same type of uh, transformations fail. Uh, another important reason for why transformations fail is when you manage complex change in the chart to the right, um, complex change requires a lot of work and it requires five critical things uh, to be successful. Uh, you got to have a really great vision. Uh, you got to have the skill set in your team to be able to execute on the vision. You got to create incentives, rewards, and opportunities to feel good about the change. You got to have the right number of resources in the right positions, and you got to have a great plan. Most people get incentives and plans correctly, and where many transformations fail, and, and again, reverting back to some of the uh, study that McKenzie and other consultants have done, it comes down to either a lack of vision, a lack of the right skill set, um, and but more, most importantly, a lack of the resources uh, to execute on the change. And when you do that, you can see on the right-hand side, you either get confusion because people don't know where they're going. You get anxiety because you put people in positions where uh, they're ill-equipped to be able to handle the transformation. Or you create frustration because you have people working 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week, 120 hours a week, and, and they just don't see how they're going to get to the end. So it's critical that as you go into a transformation, you understand the playing field uh, before you start playing the game. And that means making sure that you take into account all five of these critical points in managing complex change. So as we, as we move forward, I, I like to try to break down a transformation into three, um, three years and to three year increments and try to use each year as, as, as a, um, uh, process in itself to get us to the end game. The first year I like to try to take control and and I don't mean uh, with a heavy hand or take control from a standpoint of, uh, of making all the decisions for the company. What I mean by taking control really is understanding the culture. I do a lot of work going out in the field talking to customers and again I define customers in three sets. One is our employees one is our paying customers and one is our shareholders and understanding what the culture is, how do we service our customer, all three sets of customers and what is the culture like. Um, then I like to create really quick wins and try to find wins that show that, hey, we can do the right things and, and at the end of the day be successful. And then the three highlighted points kind of go back to where we where the failure points were in managing complex uh, change. One is setting a clear vision. You need to set that soon and, and at the beginning of, of the transition and the transformation. Rigorous reviews uh, because you need to understand do you have the skill sets and the resources to make sure that you're hitting on your, your goals and objectives. And then the one that I think is ultra critical is organize quickly and effectively um, because you have to get the right skill set and the right resources and the roles that you need for the transformation. Um, many of us uh, take time to organize. Uh, you know, we, we, we think that we need to take six months, 12 months, two years uh, to get the right organization. Uh, I, I tend to try to look at it in a 60 or 90 day increment. Uh, am I always right? No, that's, uh, that's for sure. I've uh, made mistakes in my past as I've organized. 
but I also think that if you get 90% of it right, um, then at least you get the, the, the group, the end-to-end supply chain working toward the right vision and you get them running faster. So uh, you'll see that three major items that, uh, that I always keep uh, in front of me when I'm doing a transformation is speed counts. Uh, it, transformations need to be fast. Uh, visibility counts, whether it's metrics or it's uh, the leadership team or it's even myself uh, being out talking to the employees and then communication counts. Uh, what you say, how you say it, when you say it, how often you say it is really critical in a, in a transformation process. Year two is really around the goals and, and trying to hit your goals. So in year one, you're establishing the goals, you're establishing a culture, you're establishing the organizational structure. Year two, you really got to focus on hitting your goals uh, because you want to see success. And of course, the corporation and your customers want to see success. So you got to have accountability. Um, in transformation, uh, it, you know, you can't be incremental in, in your goals. You got to set lofty goals. You got to set goals that are meaningful to all three sets of customers. Um, and you got to have uh, a high bar that you can jump over. And a great thing about high jumping in, in, in track and field is, is that um, uh, you get three chances to get over the bar. And uh, the first one, you may hit the bar with your feet the next time with your back, but then the third time you get over. And, and that's part of setting lofty goals is that you're not always going to hit them, but you at least have to have the direction as to how you get there. And of course you have to measure, measure, measure. Um, uh, uh, if you don't have the, the view and the visibility of the goals and you're measuring against those goals and, and you're saying, hey, I'm not perfect yet, you're not gonna get to that uh, level of accountability. And most importantly, you're not gonna succeed in meeting your customers' needs. Um, of course, you wanna improve on objectives. Uh, and I, I'm a firm believer you've got to reward people. You've got to take the time to pat people on the back. Uh, rewards don't always mean financial. Uh, they can be a, a multitude of things. Uh, I'm a firm believer that if a, a plant site or a warehouse meets significant goals, I'm going to go there. We're going to have, uh, uh, you know, we'll grill steaks and have cake, and, and I'll be there to help them with that. Uh, but you've got to reward people and recognize the hard work to get to where you are because transformation is not easy. And it, if it's only about transformation and not about a little bit of fun, you're not going to uh, keep people engaged. Um, and then year two is really when you got to, again, assess your, your resources. And sometimes you have to hire extra resources. And I think people get afraid of that because typically transformation is uh, associated with cost savings and, and cost cutting. But at the same time, it's about speed and getting to the end goal. And sometimes you have to hire people. And I think you got to be um, strong as a leader to stand up and say, hey, even if it's for six months or 12 months, I need this, you know, these 10 people to help me to meet this objective. Uh, at the end of the day, just like any capital project, there's a payback for it. And you just need to do the calculation on the MPV for the payback. And if it works, then you need to move and, and move fast. Um, it, then again, in year two, same thing as year one, speed counts. Um, you know, the faster you go, the better. Uh, and, and visibility counts and communication counts. Now, the visibility and communication changes over time. Um, visibility in year two is more about goals. Communication is how you're doing on those goals. Communication is more about uh, rewarding people and recognizing uh, their, their successes and their hard work. Then in year three, you get to winning, start winning the game. 
And one of the key things that I always think about in from a transformation process is you got to start developing your replacement. Who's going to replace you? Not that you have to leave, uh, but you at least got to start uh, thinking about development because if you, if you get a, if you are successful, if you're the one of the few that are successful in business transformations, people are going to recognize that and you're going to be getting lots of calls uh, to help other people transform, whether it's in your current company or it's in a different company. And so you need to start de developing your replacement. Obviously, we, you want to start to complete the projects. If, if, if you're not already uh, completing projects you started in year one by year three, then you probably had the wrong scope for the project. Again, celebrate successes. And this is a good time to update the vision because by now you've, you've moved along the path. Uh, you've gotten to a, a, a further point in the success of your company or your division or, or even your team. And it's time to update the vision for the next three years. And of course the company, the customers uh, start to reap the benefits. And again, speed, visibility and communication count. But as you get to this point in the, in the three year process, you know, what you're um, measuring, what you're showing, what's visible, uh, and, and how you communicate that changes again and becomes more mature. And, and now you're getting to that sustained part of the transformation process. So um, I, I like the McKinsey, uh, again, not selling McKinsey, but I like the reset, uh, transform, and sustain. It kind of matches the three-year plan I have here, um, but I didn't want to use their terms because they, they trademarked those. So. <laughs> So let me give you a couple of examples. Um, I was with a, a company, Sigma Aldridge, in, uh, in 2013 to 2016. Um, Sigma Aldridge, uh, really great company, $2.8 billion chemical, uh, biological and chemical company selling to research chemists around the world and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, they were led by multiple business units. Uh, they asked for, the board of directors actually asked to bring somebody on board to help centralize uh, the end-to-end -end supply chain, uh, including procurement operations, logistics, distribution, plant, uh, supply planning, demand planning. And so I was fortunate enough to get the role uh, as chief supply chain officer for Sigma Aldridge. Um, and really started with a, a blank slate uh, because it was a centralization of many functions uh, of many groups that were very similar in nature. And, and so I got the opportunity to do it, uh, uh, create it from a blank slate, create a centralized organization. Uh, the transformation was really designed around how did we, how, how do we improve the customer service and how do we improve uh, the gross profit margin for the company? And so I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people, uh, great culture. Uh, Sigma was one culture, Aldrich was still a different culture. The company was still coming together after 20 years of being together, was still coming together under one culture and really got a chance to understand uh, where people uh, wanted to work, how they wanted to work, uh, where they wanted to win. The, the great thing about starting from scratch is that we had some great people. They were just in the wrong positions. Uh, we weren't organized correctly. Uh, we, we, we didn't have the right vision, the right goals, the right metrics. And as I stated in year one, we quickly got organized in 90 days. We had a new organizational structure. People were in the, in the positions. I was able to use uh, people who are already in different business units and, and slide them into regional leaders or global leaders. We set a vision as a team and within 180 days we had new metrics and we were off and running. Um, when I joined the company, the board of directors asked if we could uh, increase gross profit margin by 200 basis points in, in five years. Uh, we were able to do it in two years. 
they asked us to increase uh, on-time deliveries. Uh, we were roughly 60% uh, mid-60s when I joined the company uh, for full orders. And when I left the company, we were in the high 80s. Uh, so we were able to, in a very short period of time, transform the company and get the company uh, to a point where it was helping the employees be successful, customer number one helping the paying customers get the orders on time, customer number two, and helping shareholders by increasing gross profit margin by 200 basis points. So uh, again, very successful, uh, almost too successful because uh, Sigmologers was acquired uh, in uh, 2015 uh, by uh, Merck KGAA out of uh, Darmstadt, Germany. Um, so I left Sigmologers and went to Exalta to do another transformation. This one was a much more difficult transformation it, uh, it was a, a very hard transformation. Exalta was a carve out from uh, DuPont. Uh, it was acquired by private equity and was just in the process of going through its IPO when I, when I joined the company. Um, that what made it hard was, of course, uh, you're, you're dealing with a culture from a very large company, uh, DuPont, into a very small company, roughly $4 billion at Exalta, and you're having to, to look at how the systems were, are different from a very large uh, multi multinational, multi-conglomerate company to a small uh, company that wanted to be nimble, wanted to be quick and, and service the customers at a high level. And the reason this one was hard was that the structure was fairly good as far as the organizational structure. Uh, the issue was we had some really great people, but we didn't have the right talent and the right skills and in the, in, in the right in the right positions. And so of my top roughly 26 leaders, I had to exchange 18 of them in 24 months um, and get the right skill sets into the right position. So uh, a different transformation, as I said before, each one's always different. Uh, but uh, this one was one of the more harder ones uh, because uh, it required making some changes. And, and again, uh, 18 people in 24 months uh, sounds fast. Um, it actually is <laughs> very fast, uh, one per month pretty much. And uh, uh, it, made, it made it for uh, it made a very tough and long two years, especially for myself, because uh, once we decided to take action, uh, we went ahead and took the action, even though we may not have had a replacement at the time. But uh, it was important to make that statement uh, to create the vision around how we were going to be nimble, uh, fast, and customer focused. Um, and and we made some tough decisions. We we decided to close. Uh, one of the largest facilities that had been around for over 100 years and uh, it was necessary for the health of the company to to make that decision and uh, eventually invest in china and move move the business part of the business to china so uh, every transformation is a little different and you know exalta uh, was was a very difficult one i'm in a new one now i'm six months in uh, within 60 days i had my uh, new organization at dense by serona set up uh, it was completely different uh, setup than what, what Dense by Serona had prior to me joining. Uh, but this one feels a little more like Sigma Aldrich, but with a different culture, different customer set, and, and uh, uh, different objectives than, than I had at Sigma Aldrich. So um, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an awesome opportunity, uh, but it's also full of uh, responsibility and accountability when you get a chance to lead a transformation, especially a large one, as, as I did at Sigma Aldrich and Exalto. So just in summary, um, as I finish up here, transformation is hard. Uh, it, it, if you think it's easy, uh, you're in the wrong business. Uh, it's very hard. Uh, you have to have thick skin because uh, people are not going to like what you're doing. Uh, you can sell it all you want, but you know, changing culture, changing uh, 
uh, people and changing directions and metrics is just, it's very hard and, and it takes a lot out of you. But you, if you're up for it, it's very rewarding at the end because you can see very visible results at the end. Um, it's critical to get it right. I mean, again, 75% fail and they either fail spectacularly or they fail to meet the original objectives of the transformation. And, and in a lot of cases, uh, companies revert back to their old culture, their old way of doing things. And that's not where you want to be if you're, if, you're asked, if you're asked to do a transformation, whether you're leading a small team or, or a company transformation. Um, again, 75% of transformations fail. And, and it's my experience that it's because you have the wrong vision or you have the wrong skill sets or you have the wrong resources. And, and so, you know, as you're going through a transformation process, keep those three things in mind. Um, no transformation is the same. Uh, the two examples I gave just now uh, uh, with, uh, with Exalta and with Sigma Aldrich were totally different. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I learned from both of them. And now I'm into a new one here with Dance by Serona, which is, again, uh, different than the other two. So don't go into the transformation thinking that how you did it the last time is going to work this time. And then finally, a really great book. I will uh, do a plug for uh, Michael Watkins on his book. Uh, every time I change companies or get ready to do a transformation, I always read the first 90 days uh, just as a refresher. Uh, not everything in the book is something I would agree with, but there are certainly things there to, uh, to take away, uh, very good nuggets uh, to take away to go faster and be smarter when you get into a new role. Uh, originally, he, uh, he wrote the book for when you get promoted and, and how you, or if you change companies. I find it great for transformational processes as well. Again, uh, several of the key concepts are important uh, if, you, if you take on a, a new role and, and, and also are doing a transformation. So um, uh, I think it's one of the best books I've read, uh, especially when it comes around transformation. So with that, Maria, um, that's kind of the background and uh, I'll take any questions. Dan, thanks so much for that. I mean, it's, you've, you covered quite a lot. I was, I, and I think your first slide to me was quite interesting with the fact that 75% of transformations fail. Uh, I don't think there is anyone within our network that has not had some failure or another with regards to their transformation projects. Having the vision, I think, is something that a lot of people say they have. They don't necessarily perhaps articulate it in, in a way. I think most people are affected most by either resourcing issues, skills issues, et cetera. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges besides the ones that you've listed in having a supply chain director today uh, deal with the transformation issue? I think typically where I see people who fail, uh, fail is probably not the right word, or who are not successful or not successful fast enough is, is really speed and communication. And that's why I put those uh, uh, on the bullets is uh, we tend to, as leaders, especially the larger the company, the, the, uh, the harder it is, uh, we tend to let the process around us uh, for hiring or for firing get in the way of making the critical decision. Um, I've been around uh, several cases, uh, not surprisingly, where HR and legal said, well, you can't do that. And, and of course you can do that, there, but there's a consequence to, to, to letting someone go and you, know, you may have to pay some money. But again, everything at the end of the day is all about payback. Um, we, we do a great job as leaders when it comes to capital projects or new investments or even acquiring businesses of doing paybacks. But when you look at the investment of uh, additional resources or the investment of exchanging a leader 
or uh, reorganizing and actually adding people to your team to be more successful. We don't typically as leaders take the time to do the financial analysis to say, hey, here's the payback. If I add this leader in this position with this metrics, uh, yes, it's gonna cost this amount of money per year, but the payback's 18 months when we'll start to see the, uh, the benefit to the customer and to, and to the company. And so I think you, you gotta look at everything from, from that standpoint, but speed tends to be the biggest issue is it, that gets in the way of, of why transformations uh, I've seen fail is that we just let um, processes get in the way from the right decisions. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of the companies that we're dealing with have um, layers and layers of business processes and layers and layers of bureaucracy and, and so forth. Making the business case probably is what you're talking about in terms of the decisions that they make, making the actual business case. What I also liked in, in your presentation was you kept really hitting home with the, or, you know, really focusing on the three types of customers. And I think, or here's the question. Do you think some businesses probably focus more heavily on one type of customer than other, be it shareholders, be it paying customers and not employees? Do you think once you find a topic that hits all three or something that hits all three, that really is transformational? Absolutely, Maria. And, and you're correct. I mean, in a lot of cases, uh, larger companies, of course, are, are focused on the shareholders um, and then on maybe on the paying customers and, and not so much on the employees. Or if they are on the employees, it's more uh, poster boards and, you know, uh, uh, cheerleading from the sidelines as opposed to really, you know, working with the employees to be successful. Uh, certainly, there are many companies out there that are successful with it. Richard Branson, of course, says if you take care of the employees, uh, they'll take care of the customers. Um, I've always been a big believer that uh, take care of the employees first, because if you're going to do transformation, you got to have them on your side. You got to have them pulling in the right direction, and you got to have them understanding all the employees understanding why you're doing what you're doing. If you don't, then the other two customers that I described, the paying customers and and shareholders, are not going to reap the benefits. So. Uh, you do need the employees to be on your side and, and going in the right direction. And that, that's all about communication. That's all about organization. That's all about speed. Um, and then, then, of course, paying customers. If, if whatever you're doing, service or manufacturing, if you're not delivering on time to them with a high-quality product, high-quality service, you're, you're not going to get the cash to keep reinvesting. And, of course, if you take care of the first two, uh, the third should should work itself out as far as taking care of the shareholders. But I, I, I think many transformations fail because they either don't recognize all three, they get the wrong order, or um, they only focus on, on one. And as you mentioned, they don't get that uh, – that vision out there as to why, and, and it does boil down to why is this important? Why are we doing the transformation and, and not just to, to make it a cost cutting exercise? Dan, you know what I really like about your, your presentation was there's a lot of hype and a lot of noise around digital transformation, you know, as though that was something separate that, uh, that isn't transform. It's, it's like a separate transformation, a different type of transformation. But yet the fundamentals of transformation are the same, whether you're doing digital transformation or business process transformation or all kinds of transformation. Would, would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And, and the hard part about digital transformation is that tends to be isolated to uh, a couple of groups within a company. It could be, you know, sales and IT and customer service. 
um, and other parts of the organization, you know, finance or supply chain or, or other or, or other parts of the organization, HR aren't, aren't necessarily involved. And um, I, I agree with you 100%. Whether you put digital in front of it, you put uh, uh, you know, industry 4.0 transformation, you put artificial intelligence transformation, it, it's still a transformation process. And again, if, if the employees aren't on board, you don't have the right vision, the right skills, the right resources, uh, they will fail equally. And there's probably more articles on the, on the web today around digital transformation failing uh, than there are about supply chain failing. But uh, again, uh, a process is a process and, and the successful processes, uh, uh, have have common themes to them and and again it's it's probably much higher in the digital transformation I didn't specifically look that one up but uh, uh, you know it's it's uh, I agree with you 100% is that uh, any type of description you put around transformation is still a process so 100% agree um, let me ask you our last question which is okay you covered quite a lot you've covered quite a lot so I, I kind of feel like I don't want to ask you any more questions because there's you've said so much about this that uh, you know, it's been so comprehensive, but what advice would you give to supply chain professionals today that are uh, being disrupted by all types of companies? They have pressure from above, pressure, pressure from below, pressure from competitors to actually stay competitive uh, and to, um, to not fail. Well, uh, that could probably take another hour or so for us to, to, to walk through. Um, uh, you know, I think, again, it's, it's really important that uh, you take the time to, to look at what is it you're trying, where, where is it you're trying to get to. Uh, we, we all uh, get caught up with uh, the fires of the day, uh, the quarterly, uh, you know, uh, the quarterly reports and, and get meeting our quarterly numbers. We all get tied up with that and, and, and trying to balance work and life and everything else. Um, it's important to step back and and get with your team, uh, whether it is your peers uh, or, or it's your direct reports, and really break away from the day-to-day -day crunch and, and talk about um, what does success look like and how do we get there. Um, you have to have some strategy to create the vision and it can't be that I need to cut five cents off of a, of a product and that can't by itself be your vision. It's gotta be more than, than, than just that. And I think it's just the, the ability to step back, uh, take a breath, um, look at the, the surrounding uh, environment and try to come up with a plan as to how you're going to be successful. And it's hard to do in this day and age, but if you don't take that time and, and have a little fun with your peers, have a little fun with your team and just kind of uh, loosen up a little bit and, and try to find uh, the right path, uh, it, it can be a real grind and, uh, and people will fail or they'll burn out. And I've seen more burnout than failure uh, where people just have had enough and, and walk away from it. So I think you just got to step back uh, with your team and, and really work on that vision and, and really update it on, on a periodic basis and not let it just sit on the binder on your shelf. And you know what? I'm going to leave it with them. A last point to it, which is, was on your first uh, slide, if I, if I remember correctly, which is that um, not every transformation is the same. Uh, you know, you can't apply the same rules to every single process within your transformation uh, project, correct? That is absolutely correct. If you use the same tool every time you go into a role, whether, it's tra whether you're transforming or not, and you try to use that same tool, uh, you're just not gonna be successful. And I equate it to, you know, think about a, a plumber 
or an electrician and if they always use the same you know uh, screwdriver or hammer or whatever uh, to sell, solve the exact same problem they're not going to be very successful and and it's the same in business you, you you just can't use the same same tools out of your tool bag every single time no and i think i think probably that's what the modern uh, leader is all about it's about adaptability isn't it the modern the modern leader has to be adaptable it, it absolutely is. I've, I've got more tools in my tool bag that I've learned in the last two years than I probably had the t 10 years prior to that. And uh, a lot of it comes with uh, not maturity, obviously, but also how things change in the digital world, how fast uh, the digital world's working and how fast con uh, customers and consumers want their products these days. And, and so you have to be adaptable. So what worked 15 years ago is not going to work today. And, and what works today is not going to work tomorrow. So you, you have to be adaptable and get different tools and use those different tools in the right way. Dan, you have covered a lot. You've really given us a lot to think about. I want to thank you for being on here. I want to thank you for uh, uh, your slides, for jumping on here and for talking to us. And no doubt we'll probably talk again. Uh, and uh, if we have any questions, we'll, we'll come back to you. Thank you so well, much. Please, any questions you get or anybody who would like to discuss this further, I'd be glad to do that. I, I mentor a lot of people outside of, the, of work and I'd be glad to do that and look forward to the next time we get a chance to do this again, Maria. Great, thanks, Dan. Uh, for everybody watching, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you.